Hello there. Welcome to From Scripts to Scrubs. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Alicia. And we are two medical students trying to figure out our place in medicine by looking to the past and to current events to try and understand the impact they have on us as women in medicine and as women in general. And you can find or follow us on social media. We have an Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, which are all at From Scripts to Scrubs. We also have a Twitter, which is at FSTS underscore podcast. And you can check out our website for more information on our episodes, show notes, sources, merch, and more. And that's from scriptstoscrubs.com. Yeah, and you can also subscribe to us or leave us a rating and review. Apple Podcasts or Spotify are great places to do that. And I think you can leave reviews on Spotify now, not just ratings. Oh, really? That's fun. So yeah, either one. All right. Well, we're back. I'm so happy to be back for my first full-length episode after our mini-series, our second mini-series. Very exciting. And I wanted to talk about something that had a lot of history and left a lot of room for discussion. And just interesting vibes. And so I'm excited to be talking about the history of body hair removal today. Specifically, I know, specifically, we'll be chatting about women and their relationship with body hair. Though I do have some like random interjections during the history where I talk about men and their relationships with body hair, specifically how those relationships relate to women. And so it's kind of like all a little mix. But Mm -hmm. it's a pretty interesting history, and I'm excited to share it. Yay. But before I get into it, Char, what are your thoughts on body hair removal? Any history that you know about? Any, like, preliminary thoughts? Like, whatever comes to mind. I don't know anything about the history of body hair removal, so this will be very interesting. One funny thought is this morning I was thinking about, I was like, why don't men shave their armpits? And do they have to cut the armpit hair to keep it a good length? Or like, if it gets too long, should they braid it? Like, this is what I was thinking about. This should morning. they braid it? And then I Fascinating. Was like, like, what is the social idea around like women shaving their armpit hair and men not? And I was like, I personally like shaving my armpit hair. I feel like it'd be like in the way and uncomfortable if it was still there. But also that's just me. I don't know. So I was just thinking about that. It was super random. And I honestly like forgot that this was the topic for today while I was having those thoughts. So now I'm like, wow, what a coincidence. I was thinking about that this morning. Well, that's perfect timing. Cause yeah, it's a wonder. I'm here for it. Well, let's get into it. The human body contains 5 million hair follicles. And while body hair seems kind of useless, it actually serves a purpose and it like served an evolutionary purpose. So Mm. can you think of what some of those purposes might have been, Charlotte, if we're thinking like caveman era prehistory? Maybe to like, like hair keeps you warm. It like protects Mm -hmm. your skin from the environment around you. That's probably the ones I could close like two ones. Like somehow it protects your skin and then also it keeps your keeps you warm. Yeah, exactly. So like hair helps maintain body temperature. It helps keep humans warmer in colder climates, but it also protects from outside elements like dirt and UV damage, things like that. It was also important when it came to retaining sweat to decrease heat loss from evaporation, which let cavemen like travel through hot deserts and like not die because it would like keep their sweat on their skin so that they could keep evaporating the heat away yeah 
So it's really fascinating that evolutionarily hair actually has a very helpful function. And yet we opt to get rid of so much of it, which in many ways is valid. We're no longer cave people, but Mm -hmm. that's kind of where we're starting is like, why did we start there and where are we headed? Right. Yeah. So before we get started, I wanted to give a quick overview of some different modern options that we have for hair removal today, just so everyone's aware in case like people have not heard of some of these things. So the most common form of hair removal is shaving, just using a razor. People also will use tweezers to pluck out individual hairs. This is typically done on like facial hair, like in the eyebrows or like the upper lip. There's Imagine like individually you- plucking your like leg hair. That's insane and painful. That would take so long. (laughs) And so to avoid doing that, people will wax. And there's like both hard wax and soft wax. Hard wax is like this formula that you put it on skin and then it hardens and you literally rip off the actual wax. Soft wax is like a different formula where you put it on the skin and then you put a piece of cloth or like a piece of paper over that and then you take it off. Mm. Um, hard wax is supposed to be less painful than soft wax, but it also depends on like where on the body you want to use it and who's doing the waxing job for you. So yeah, there's lots of like moving parts there. Gotcha. More options for hair removal include threading, which is like using a piece of thread and you kind of tie it into a circle and then you wind it on itself and you like move mm-hmm. it back and forth. I don't even know how to really describe it. You kind of have to like watch it happen, but you like move it back and forth and essentially do that over the area of hair and it will like rip out <laughs> each individual <laughs> strand, but it does it like mm-hmm. faster than individual plucking, but it is super painful. I won't lie. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty painful. It's like rapid fire plucking, basically. I mean, it's better than just plucking, I guess. It is better than just plucking, but it's still super painful. Um, A lot of like South Asian cultures will thread. That's the reason I know about it. There is also depilatory creams, which maybe you've heard of those. Maybe you haven't, but those are creams like Nair, Veet, and they're like similar vibes to shaving where you like apply this cream over an area and then I don't know what happens. There's like chemicals in the cream that like break down the hair and then you like wipe it away and then the hair is gone. And it's really strange. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know how it works. Seems like a, I don't know if it I, burns it off. I'm not really it sure. It doesn't burn, but it smells funny. I don't know how it works. Okay. And then there's like laser hair removal and electrolysis, which are both permanent hair removal options. And they either use laser or low level electrical current to basically kill the hair follicle itself. So those are most of the options I know of and options that the internet told me about. And now it's time to get into the history of hair removal. And this actually starts far before the ancient civilizations that we usually even talk about, which is kind of fun. We talked a little bit about like primitive humans and what body hair did for them in this prehistoric age. But what's interesting is that archaeologists actually found evidence that both female and male early humans shaved their heads and facial hair. Oh, what? (laughs) I know. They did that to avoid frostbite from water getting trapped in their hair. 
and like freezing against their skin. So it's only really applicable. Like that didn't happen in the African subcontinent, but in colder subcontinents, they would like shave their hair because hair retains water. So if you have too much hair, you will like cause problems relating to having frozen water like attached to your face. That makes sense. Like I've walked outside with wet hair in the winter and your hair gets all a little crispy and you're like, oh no. So the prehistoric people would use razors but the razors were made out of like, they weren't even really razors. They were just like clamshells or like animal teeth or sharp rocks. Oh. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Oh. They would just like kind of like saw away their hair, I'm guessing. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It had to come off crazy. easily. Otherwise, it would have been like so much work. I know. Hmm. In ancient Egypt, 3000-ish BCE, men removed all of their body hair especially like facial and beards because it gave their enemies something to hold on to during battle. That makes sense though. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. You can't be having a long mane if someone's just going to grab onto it. Women would also shave their bodies and they would get rid of all their hair except for their eyebrows. In both cases, some sources say they shaved their heads to get rid of hair and therefore decrease risk of getting lice. So that's like also a reason to not have hair. It's like a hygienic thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Lice is hard to get rid of. Yeah. Um, And I think because of the association with like lice and like uncleanliness, people would generally, especially in higher classes, get rid of their body hair because it was seen as uncivilized and linked to the lower classes, which is going to be a very common theme across cultures that I would encourage you to pay attention to. Okay, I will. Yeah. But the one exception for the one exception for this women getting rid of body hair theme in Egypt is that some female pharaohs actually used to wear false beards to show their power. Oh, interesting. If, but the men Yeah, there's like a beards. couple. Well, the men would sometimes, the pharaoh men would like tie up their beards. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But if you're like a warrior, I think you would shave your beard. Gotcha. I've seen some mixed info about what the first Egyptian razors were made of, which is how they typically got rid of their hair. Some sources say it was copper that they made their razors out of. Some sources say shells. It's not really clear. But regardless, they were shaving at that time. And then they also would use waxes, like sugar-based waxes, which are honestly what people sometimes use today is like sugar-based wax. Cleopatra was out here sugaring. In ancient Rome and Greece, around 400 CE, women were expected to remove their pubic hair because a full bush was considered uncivilized. Oh, okay. I know. Get in in the details here. Yeah, and just generally, hairlessness was, again, associated with being higher class among men and women. So people, especially rich women, would use razors, depilatory creams, and pumice stones to get rid of their hair. Oh. But what's so funny is, like, hair above the waist was actually really in. And so a lot of people had unibrows. And the unibrows were considered, like, hot. Like, that was the fashion of the time. Like, you're cute if you have a unibrow. Okay. 
much more respect to you. And yeah. women would actually use like powdered minerals or soot to fill in their brows or make oh. fake brows from fur. Oh, yeah. So people are really, how would you get I have it no on idea. there? I don't know. You're asking me the wrong questions, <laughs> but they would like go out of their way to like fill in their eyebrows, which is yeah. also interesting. And one thing I thought was just funny is this quote from the Roman poet Ovid. And he mm-hmm. urged women to groom so that, quote, no rude goat finds his way beneath your arms and that your legs be not rough with bristling hair. Oh, so yeah. I don't know what this goat part is, but. I don't know. I don't know if they're talking about real goats. I don't know if they're talking about men. <laughs> I don't know what, what they're referring to, but they're just like groom and get rid of your hair so that you don't have unwanted visitors up in your business. During the Middle Ages and the Elizabethan era, hair removal really became popular, like very much took off at that time. Hmm. Women took hair removal one step further and like previously were focusing mostly on like body hair, but not as much on facial hair. And at this point, they started also focusing on removing facial hair. And it was funny because Queen Elizabeth I is the one who started this trend in this effort to create like a longer looking forehead the style then was to have like a huge forehead. And so women oh. would make their eyebrows super thin. But from like and the some bottom women, instead of the top. Yeah. So some women would even get rid of their eyebrows. Oh my God. <laughs> oh. So like, if you imagine Mona Lisa, like the Mona Lisa, that's the look. It's like the skinny, skinny eyebrow mm. and the like big forehead. <laughs> People would even rub walnut oil on their kids' foreheads to prevent hair growth. And adult women would even make concoctions of vinegar and cat poop to like rub on their eyebrows to prevent hair growth. And I'm like, where did you get these ideas? Well, someone did it once and was like, this really worked, guys. We got to keep doing it. (laughs) Got to keep doing it. I don't know what that one person was doing, though. I unclear. But interestingly, when Elizabeth I came into power, she was a redhead and she, like I said, revolutionized the brow game in England. And so many of her subjects actually chose to dye their hair and brows similar shades of strawberry blonde to her. And they would do that by using like a corrosive, damaging mixture of rhubarb juice and oil of vitriol, which is now called sulfuric acid. Oh so they God. would like mix sulfuric acid based materials with rhubarb juice and that would lighten their hair and turn it red. So they're basically bleaching their hair and then dyeing it red. But with like exactly chemical, not with the chemicals that are used now. Even exactly. now it's not super safe. No, it's not. And these people were really out here. Wow. That's kind of crazy. I know. I did it for the look. In the 17th century, women, particularly sex workers, started using merkins. Have you heard of a merkin? No, I haven't. I feel like someone sent me something about a merkin. And that's why when I read this, I was like, oh, this feels so familiar. Well, okay. A merkin is basically like a little vagina wig. What? (laughs) Yeah. So it's (laughs) plain. What? 
<laughs> yeah. So it's like placed on the vagina mm, to replace natural down. pubic hair. Why don't you just keep your own? Well, so it was common practice among sex workers who didn't want to catch pubic lice. Oh, okay. It was also used by them as like a way to hide signs of STIs. Like if you had herpes or something and you had sores, you could yeah. use this little vagina wig and like hide them. Oh my God, but how do you like put it on? It's a string. It's like a thong. You'll basically. have to look it up. It's like really funny. But yeah, it's called a merkin. Okay. During the 18th and 19th centuries, women were expected to display as little open sexuality as possible. So it was like mm-hmm. very, very conservative times. And this included showing no body hair under long sleeves, which doesn't really make sense. But it's okay. like, don't have body hair under long sleeves and like don't have body hair under long skirts. One Victorian doctor named William Acton was even quoted as saying, the majority of women, happily for them, are not very much troubled with feeling sexual feeling of any kind. Oh, okay. They have no sexual feelings at all. Very brazen of him to say that. But yeah. that's the idea is like they need to be hairless, but they also need to wear long sleeves and long skirts because they don't really feel sexual at all. In the late 1800s and early 1900s in America, which the whole time I've kind of just been talking about the Western world because as usual, it is typically the history that has been recorded. And a Mm -hmm. lot of the trends that I was mentioning in Europe or like also the trends that were happening in America. And so in this time in the States, the inventor and salesman King Camp Gillette improved what was being used for razors and he made it disposable because from his Isn't perspective a type of razor yes he's this the one the who started yes this is the guy he started the company so he made the razor disposable because he realized that if dudes could have razors that they could just throw away that they wouldn't need to spend money going to the barber anymore true Because they be going to the barber all the time. Yeah, they must have had to go like every other day. Because like my facial hair grows fast. And if you're trying to be like really clean shaven, you probably have to shave a lot. Yeah. Especially these like really burly dudes. I don't know. But they were going a lot. And he was like, oh, if I can make this razor disposable, we're good. And that's what he did. And then things really took off for the commercialization of hair removal when he did that. And it was specifically around 1915 that he created the first dedicated women's razor. So it was Gillette that created like a women's razor. Mm -hmm. And it became really popular because sleeveless dresses were becoming really popular at that time and so smooth armpits became a social necessity because women were wearing shorter and shorter sleeve lengths but also shorter dresses and they were wearing stockings instead of nylons which are like thicker And that would like show your hair underneath. So then they were like, don't show your hair, like use this razor. And so Gillette really capitalized on that. And he was like, wow, y'all need razors. I got you. Don't worry. And he launched the first women's razor called Milady Decolette. 
Okay. Yeah. And then there was like all of these fun ads about them. Then the ad campaign started. So not only was it like an invention, but also just a good business opportunity. And, you know, I love a good ad campaign. Like, let's yeah. not forget the STI episode with all of the World War II ad campaigns. My favorite. Yeah. Venereal disease. We'll never get over it. I still <laughs> see it sometimes in the hospital, like in a note. I'm like, who wrote this? Why is it know. venereal disease? <laughs> Unclear, unhinged. One ad that I read stated, the woman of fashion says the underarm must be as smooth as the face. And that was oh. like out there on an ad. And yeah. honestly, if I saw that, I'd be like, I guess the armpit needs to be as smooth as the face. Time yes. to shave. And these ads and marketing really make sense in the context of the times. Hair removal was encouraged because of kind of a combination of three different industries. So it was the women's fashion industry, the people who were making dresses shorter, sleeves shorter, more skin is being exposed. Mm -hmm. The men's hair removal industry, because that is where all the inventing was happening. It was just kind of getting shuffled along to the women's side. And then the women's magazine industry. So those three industries were kind of spearheading hair removal as a social norm. And each of those makes sense because they were all benefiting from this new role of women as consumers and women Mm -hmm. like buying razors. And by 1917, which is two years after the women's razor was rolled out, one million razors had been sold by July. Wow. Yeah. So people were really out here fast. buying. Yeah, it yeah. did. Especially because if you think about the proportion of the population that were actually buying razors, it was this one subset of society, like the upper to upper middle class that were just buying right. razors like a ton. All the time. Wow. Yeah. World War II in the 1940s, brought along a nylon shortage. So again, remember those nylons are like the thicker kind of stockings. And this led to even more reason for women to start shaving because women would actually, because there was a shortage, they would pretend that they were like wearing stockings by drawing a line down the back of their legs. Cause you know how old stockings like have those lines. Uh-huh. So they would shave their legs and they would like draw a line down the back of their legs to make it look like they were wearing pantyhose, even though they weren't actually. That's very creative. I wonder what they used to draw the line. Yeah, I have no idea. Like not a Sharpie. I don't know. <laughs> and like but how straight was the line? It had to have been straight. I guess it, it had to be generally pretty straight, I guess. Yeah. Um. So I don't know how that worked with them drawing their own line, but I didn't give it much thought. But similarly, around this time, like the late 1940s, we're like kind of heading out of the war. Bikinis became popular and like more mainstream. And this is around the time of like Hugh Hefner's Playboy magazine becoming more popular. Mm -hmm. And so with the advent of bikinis and becoming more mainstream, there was like more stress on having like a hairless bikini region and like a pubic area. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of what led down that road. And 
generally in terms of like numbers and like how many people were getting rid of their body hair by 1964, 98% of American women were routinely shaving their legs. So pretty much. Yeah. So like basically everyone. Yeah. So then in the 1960s and seventies, any guesses as to like what happened to hair removal and shaving? You think it increased, decreased, stayed the same, and why? Decreased, like the feminist movement came along, and it was like free, you know, like free Mm -hmm. the nip, like we can do whatever we want. So of course it was all like anti-norm of whatever the norm was at the time. Exactly. So the feminists came out in the seventies and the sixties, and they were like, "Why are we doing this? We don't need to be doing this to our bodies." So they freed the nip and they freed the bush, and they were like, "Let it all hang." (laughs) <laughs> Sounds about but right, the yeah. fashion trends yeah exactly and then kind of heading into the 80s and 90s the fashion trends of that time were like mini skirts and shorts and so that brought back the body hair removal train we like headed back into that direction mm-hmm. in 1987 seven sisters from brazil opened a salon in new york city and offered the first brazilian waxes Oh, so they coined it kind of? Kind of. it, And I don't know like if the Brazilian wax that exists today is actually Brazilian or if it's that these seven Brazilian women came to the U.S. and then they started doing this type of wax that is right. now called a Brazilian wax. Huh. But celebrities like Gwyneth Paltrow and Naomi Campbell started going to that salon. And so that kind of spearheaded the rise of the Brazilian wax. Wow. hmm In 1996, an MIT grad named Richard Rocks invented laser hair removal. Don't know how he came upon that, but, like, good for him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And now the women today continue to shave their legs, wax their vulvas, and all sorts of different hair removal techniques. And it all started back in prehistoric times. And here we are today. Still doing it. Still doing it. Still going at it. But some modern implications of hair removal and what it's doing for us as a society now. So a survey conducted by the American Laser Centers in 2008 showed that an average woman spends from $10,000 to $23,000 in their lifetime removing body hair. Wow. Like specifically yeah. on laser or just like in terms no, of No, generally, standards? like oh. is a lot of money over time. That's crazy. Yeah. And a lot of this is of course driven by societal norms centered around the male gaze. Mm-hmm. So, research has shown that heterosexual men do indeed prefer women without body hair no matter if it's located in their on their legs or in their armpits or wherever. And in popular culture, women are often infantilized and kind of labeled as being sexier for that reason. And so with less body hair, you kind of have like younger vibes and that kind of leads into this like yeah. infantilization kind of sure. picture. Body hair is associated with femininity or lack of body hair, therefore. And so Mm -hmm. having a hairless body is kind of an expectation of men towards women. And if a woman wants to be with a male partner, they grow up 
trying to fit into this patriarchal society's expectation of what it looks like to be more feminine. Like, right. Obviously, a 2002 study found that body hair growth of female participants made them see themselves as unfeminine, abnormal, and even freakish. Those are quotes from these women. And despite being like a normal, natural, secondary sexual characteristic that everyone has, women don't feel comfortable with body hair and associate beauty with hairlessness, which is what this study also kind of like elicited from these women. Hmm. Another study showed that women with body hair are perceived by both men and women as more aggressive, active, and strong, but also less sociable, intelligent, happy, and positive. So like TLDR, women are socialized to feel confident when they shave their legs and to feel dirty when they haven't shaved in a few days. That's generally the vibe. Pretty interesting. and. I thought it'd be worth talking about a little bit more. Yeah. Alrighty. So, Charlotte, any initial thoughts? Where's your head at? What are you thinking? I still can't get over the Merkin. That's hilarious. The Merkin is so funny. As soon as we're done. That's so funny. I will say a lot of it is like what I expected in terms of why people will remove their body hair, but a lot of it's also not what I expected in that. I thought as in today, people remove body hair mostly for either like a social reason or like a personal reason of just how they like, like to be. But it seems like a lot of the original reasons to remove body hair was more practical. It was like for hygiene, for you know, safety of not having parasites living on you or for like safety if you fight in wars and things like that. Like that definitely makes a lot of sense. So there was already like a culture around removing your body hair before it became Mm -hmm. this like societal thing. So that was interesting. Didn't really think of that before going in. And then another thing was like the keeping your hair long, even when you have like long skirts and long like like dresses on or whatever it was. Like, that's interesting. I wonder why, like, you couldn't see the hair anyway, you know? Yeah, but people would still get rid of it. It was like, yeah, getting rid of it, even though it was covered. Yeah, because, like, for me, I'm like, oh, if it's wintertime, like, you will not catch me shaving my legs for, like, (laughs) weeks. Because, like, who cares? I'm like, it's covered all the time. That's also the thing. Like, it's covered, and that's why I don't care. Yeah, so I think... I, I don't know, I was surprised by some of the reasons people shaved their hair and, and not surprised by the reasons people did shave their hair in terms of like it being a sexual thing or a hygiene thing or just what was expected of them. But of course, this man came up with a razor for women. I want to know why this razor is different than the man razors. He revolutionized the sexist razors. <laughs> like, he what? did. He did. He's the reason why our razors are pink. Yeah, like, why do we have pink razors that don't work as well? I feel like the hygienic aspect became a social aspect where the higher classes were like, oh, if you're, you're not clean, if, if you, you don't, right, yeah. you're not clean anymore. And then that got translated into why it's like normal and not normal yeah. anymore. Because we don't struggle with the same hygiene issues now, but we still like abide by these certain practices. 
But now I feel like the reason that people shave is kind of out of norms and like, yeah. Well, what's interesting too, is that like keeping hair in certain places like is hygienic because it's like protecting open parts of your body from getting stuff. You know what I mean? Like hair catches like things. So that's how you have eyelashes. Right. That's how we have eyebrows. It is interesting. But I was wondering if you had any like personal stories, interesting like tidbits about body hair, like relationships with hair, things like that. I don't know. My friends and I talk a lot about pubic hair, which is funny. Um, and just like what people find most comfortable. And everyone's like more comfortable with like different things, like different ways they take care of it. So it's like, not everyone's the same. It's not like this like perfect image that everyone gets as like Brazilian all the time. I don't think that's true. Right. So something my friends and I will talk about a lot. Other than that, I'm a pretty hairless, light haired person. So I don't really struggle with a lot of body hair things. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I literally have the opposite experience where I'm exactly. Really yeah. Gal. So I was like, I definitely <laughs> like don't have much to say. I know. Well, I will say I I feel like my biggest story with body hair is that I used to swim. And so we like shaved our whole oh, bodies. Yeah. But there is like sure. this idea that if you shave, like the hair will grow back thicker. And so then it's unfortunate mm-hmm. being like a hairy girly and then mm-hmm. shaving your whole body and then <laughs> doing that well, I have a every lot of year for who, four years. Yeah. I have a lot of friends who have laser done already. And we're all 25, 26, and they've already had like either laser of like their whole body that their like mom paid for in high school, or they got it recently just because they're like, I have dark hair. I don't want to deal with any of it. And like, I just got rid of all of it from the get go. I'm like, pretty smart, honestly. But also, like, laser costs a lot. It takes a really long time. You go through like multiple laser treatments for it to work, and it's really painful. So, it's just like a whole nother ball game of dealing with like having a lot of hair, especially if it's dark. Yeah. I think like there is that balance and I don't know. Kids are also mean. Kids will make fun of you. Like when you're a kid, you have a lot of like hair and you're a hairy person, but kids will make fun of you for anything. So there's That's also true. That. And if you're hairy, then you have beautiful eyebrows like you do, Alicia. Yeah, I try. I grew them I myself. Have, like zero eyebrows. <laughs> no, I like your eyebrows. Thanks, but kind of in the same vein of like laser hair removal being really painful like this idea that beauty is pain and a lot of the ways that we remove body hair are really painful and if we remove body hair in a non-painful way it's typically not permanent so like shaving Mm -hmm. or like a depilatory cream like those are not permanent and they will grow back your hair quickly or thicker or whatever but they're not painful versus other things like tweezing and plucking and waxing. Those things can be very painful mm-hmm. and they tend to work longer because you're literally ripping the hair out of the root, but the hair is still going to grow back anyway. Yeah. And so I think this kind of begs the question of what does our societal relationship with body hair reflect about our culture and why are we so open to enduring such pain in some ways but not others yeah I think just kind of open questions like that yeah my thought around this all is that there's such a high like standard in society to have these like beauty norms of being hairless in one way or another and if you feel connected to those norms then they mean a lot to you like 
you abiding by those norms of being hairless and whatever, or like less hairy, but not even hairless, that's going to make you feel good. Because if you abide by that, and then you get the reaction that you want from society, like that makes you feel good. I think that's why people go through like the beauty is pain idea. They're like, if I go through this pain right now, in like, even though it's a short pain, the gratification I get from society or just from like myself is worth that like short amount of pain because in the end, I will feel better for it. You know, so it's like you're justifying the pain because of like how you view how you should feel about yourself or how society thinks you should feel about yourself. And that's how yeah, you no, I agree with that. And I think the it also is like in that same vein saying, oh, if I just deal with this now, I don't have to deal with the emotional burden of having to face people in society who don't see me the way I do. Because if we were all in a society where like body hair didn't matter, you would grow up thinking that that is fine. And then you would just be living your life. And so now like a lot of people like do go the other way. And like there's celebrities and people out there who are like, oh, let's like go back to this natural way of, you know, letting our hair grow out. And Mm-hmm. and taking care of it as needed and we don't need to live by certain standards but we're all not as lucky to like live in societies yeah, or have very... power in those societies that have that view yeah i think it's a very privileged position to be like anti-society anti-norm because you're going to be expected to be a certain way and i even think sometimes it's just easier like you might be okay personally with like growing your hair out whatever part of your body you want and you, it might not be like the biggest deal to people that you do, but it's sometimes like you don't want to have to explain yourself for things. That's You're like, thing, why do yeah. you choose to like not shave your armpits? And that's just like a 30 second conversation that maybe you just don't want to have every day you're at the gym. The last thing I wanted to say is something that I didn't really touch on, but something that I at least is a thought that I've had is like, I wonder if nowadays a reason that women still like feel this need to shave or like to take care of their body hair is because body hair is in many ways like associated with masculinity because men don't Mm -hmm. shave their body hair. I mean, it's the same reason that women would shave like their hair on their face because it is like masculine to have like a mustache hair or things like that. If you have darker hair, a lot of women shave that off. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. It's a complicated and very gendered discussion, but I thought the history was pretty interesting and just an ongoing thing to talk about. Yeah, it is very gendered. I think also what I think we should note before we end too is this like social pressure even men have for their hair, especially their facial yeah. hair. Like if you can't grow a thick, complete beard, like men are very embarrassed by like their lack of ability to grow a beard and they have no they have no power over that like you can't just like force yourself to grow hair like I wish I could grow more right. eyebrows you can't change that there's also like a social pressure for them in terms of like their facial hair I think for- yeah totally and we would be remiss to not discuss the like cultural differences and mm. just people's like backgrounds because people from different cultures have more or less hair and that is more or less valued in different places so like sometimes people have like a lot of body hair even if they're male and they identify as male like they might have even more body hair than a typical man and that's embarrassing too yeah exactly 
I also want to be comfortable in our own skin. If you like being comfortable in your own skin and you like listening to the podcast, you should subscribe to From Skirts to Scrubs and leave us a rating and review. And Apple Podcasts is the best place to do that. But you can also do it on Spotify these days. Yeah, I guess so. You can also follow us on our social media. We have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, all those things. You can also check out our website for more information. We have show notes, sources on there, merch, whatever you want. From Scrubs to Scrubs at FromScrubsToScrubs.com. And lastly, here to the women who have fought for us to be where we are today. And maybe we do the same for those who come after us. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks. See you next time. Bye. Bye.